Forest City Church. Anyone and everyone. Well, we are in a series called Walk It Out, sort of post-baptism. We celebrated baptisms a couple weeks ago downstairs in the church, the church basement fellowship hall. And we've been in the book of Acts, but now we are still in the book of Acts, but still kind of focusing on what does it mean to follow Jesus? Like, how do we walk this out? How do we walk it out with Jesus? And how do we specifically walk it out with this value of life together? Because we know what Acts says about the early church is that they were doing life together in a unique way. And as they were doing that, the Holy Spirit was empowering the church to spread the name of Jesus, to experience healing and freedom, and to truly do life together. So what does that mean when we think about putting our faith in Jesus? I think so many of you know, and I know, that just because you put your faith in Jesus, just because you commit your life to him and take next steps with him, doesn't mean that life doesn't get real. Like, real, real, real fast, right? Following Jesus, taking next steps to Jesus doesn't keep us from our own suffering or disappointment or weariness or pain, and it certainly does not shield us from what's happening in the world around us. And so I just want each of you to stop and, and think a moment just inside yourselves of just where you're at in this place of following Jesus and, and doing life together and doing life with him. I think about a room this size, all the people and all the stories, all the families, I think about those of you who are here because you're just trying to find some peace and solace from just um, the pain and the brokenness of the world. Those of you who are here who've been waiting a long time in a season of singleness, in a season of healing, in a season of waiting for, waiting for healing. I think about those of you who are navigating crisis where you're here today, you, you got yourself here, and you are just navigating the biggest thing your family or you have ever experienced. Those who come in with just the weight and the burden of work problems and school problems and kid problems and not sure how to solve it, not sure how to get ahead of it, not sure how to get out from under it. And I know that you were not here by accident. And I think the gift of following Jesus is that navigating the realness of life and the difficulty of life means you don't have to do it alone. That there's always a sense of with. This idea of life together, this idea of following Jesus, there is always this sense of with. God is with us. And it may be very basic. It may be one of the most basic foundations of our faith. But I think there's something about that idea of withness that God wants us to lean into this morning. And that's what I want to talk to you about because he wants to meet you right where you are. No matter what it is you came in with, what it is you're experiencing, what it is, whatever your reality is, he wants to meet you right where you are. So let's jump into the text. We are going to turn to Acts 12 and start in verse 6. I'm going to turn there too. And we are about to read a very uh, miraculous story, actually, of Peter when he was uh, jailed. And not just like a little bit jailed, like really jailed. Um, if, if that's a definition. I always have the page in my Bible here that's like awkward, so sorry. Um, all right, so we are, so okay, Herod is in power. He's angry. He's real angry, and he has jailed Peter, and he didn't just like a little bit jail Peter. Like he's got guards at every door and shackled down, and like Herod's making sure that Peter is not going to go anywhere, 
And so in verse 6, we pick it up and he says, now when Herod was about to bring him out on the very night, the very night that Peter was supposed to die, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many, the church, were praying and gathered together. When he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but she ran in and reported that Peter himself was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him, and they were amazed." But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. I love this story. I love the humanity of this story. I love the miraculous, the miracles in this story. I love how it, it just builds, um, it builds my faith. See, Peter is dealing with being jailed. This isn't like his first time being jailed. He's being jailed again and again and again. And the situation got from bad to worse. Like, it wasn't just being in jail. He was about to be executed. Not was he just in jail. He was like in this special jail where it was extra guarded and there were extra chains. And there was all of this complexity that made his already bad situation worse. And I don't know if you've been in a place like that where you feel like it used to be bad, but now we're here today. And the layers of complexity, the layers of confusion, the layers of chains, the layers of stuff that have compounded my situation, things have just gotten so bad and so dark and so deep that I just don't know how I could ever get out of it. And I think this builds my faith because when I look at these kinds of situations, what I see is a God who is so in the details. He is in every little piece of this story, every move Peter makes, every turn he takes, every next corner he rounds. God has already gone ahead and before and is working the way out of Peter's chains. He has a plan, and there's nothing too big or too great or no chain too strong to keep from the plans of Jesus. But even more that, more than the power of Jesus, you see details communicate a sense of value. When someone is in the details for something else, it communicates that's important, that there's worth, that there's value there. And it's as if God is showing Peter little by little how very present he is, how very with Peter he is, how very much he is in the details of his life. Peter was seen. You see, the withness of God, the walking it out with God comes from a God who is in the details. You know, I take really seriously whatever it is I, I preach to you from the platform. 
And I know that not everyone is going to experience a story as miraculous as this. I know that we all don't have an angel visit us momentarily and lead us out of whatever it is that has bound us. I know that we all aren't going to experience an instantaneous breaking of chains, although I know that the Lord is still moving and working and he is still powerful enough to do so. But that isn't the story for all of us all the time because we still live in a world that is broken. We still live in a world where the power of God hasn't fully had full reign. We live in a place where we are still fighting the battles we have not the war is won, but we're fighting those battles still until Jesus comes back again and his rule and reign and goodness and kingdom expands to everywhere and there is no brokenness or sin or darkness. But until then, many of us are still experiencing suffering or pain or fighting our own circumstances and we may not always experience this miracle that Peter did. But I do believe I can still preach the truth of God being close to you in the details of your situation this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because while we might not experience an angel, we may not experience a, an instantaneous miracle. We all have the power of the Holy Spirit present in our lives. And I know because of the power of the Spirit that we can experience God in the details, no matter what our situation or scenario is. In John 14, it says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Lord gave you his spirit because he wants to be in the details of your life. He gave you his spirit because he wants you to have his truth in your specific situation. He gave you his spirit because he wants you to have power in your situation. He gave you the Holy Spirit because he, he wants to change your situation. He wants to change you and make your heart more like him. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of his truth and of our access to him. And I think sometimes the Holy Spirit, the walking it out with Jesus, the witness that God wants to have with us, the fact that he wants to be in the details of our lives is, is hard for us to really grasp because God and the Holy Spirit, it just seems all very up here. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to recognize that he wants to be part of our life, our conversations the moments that we have at work where we're thinking, like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to make this work. The moments that we have at home and we feel overwhelmed. He wants to be a part of each and every scenario and situation. He wants to be, have a connection in that way. The Holy Spirit is, is, in essence, this friendship of God. And as I walk out my own season of life, I know this has just become really important to me. And I've always said, you know, I'm very clear about this. I am not really an anybody. I'm just like a normal person. I'm just Bria. I'm, I'm not anything special. And I often ask God what it is about this season, this place that he has called me to do, especially as campus pastor here at Forest City Elgin. And, and as I'm experiencing my own life transitions and changes and vulnerabilities, one thing that I am very sure about is that he has called me and asked me to just speak honestly and authentically about my experience and, and, the, and the reality of what it is I'm learning about him. And as you know, um, we welcomed our son Louis into the world in July, and that was amazing. Yes, and we, it's been so amazing. But I have to be really honest with you that the postpartum journey has been really hard as well. Specifically about, I'd say, maybe a couple weeks after being home, I started to experience some really intense postpartum anxiety and depression. 
and I was just overwhelmed and my hormones were all over the place and I was just like, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do it all? We don't have one, but we have two. And they both have these needs. And I have a Romy and a Louie. And, and what are we doing? We're in Chicago, and we're away from my parents. And when we were with Romy, we used to be by my parents. And now everything is different, and it's new. And I'm leading a church and pastoring people, and I have a baby. And babies aren't easy for me. I like my control. And, like, what am I going to do? And it was hard, and I felt anxious. And now... I can be like a pretty just anxious person in general. I think I probably have a little bit of high-functioning anxiety going on. But this time, it, was, it felt like this is so big, I don't know if I can get out of it. Like, and I know, I know what I'm thinking is not, the reality is more tempered than how I feel or what I'm thinking. I know enough to know that that's separated, but, but I don't know, like, can I stop thinking this way? Can I stop feeling this way? Like, how am I gonna get out of this? And I, and I wrestled with that, and we went to Michigan and stayed with my parents and just had to have some extra help and support during that time. And you know something that really made a difference for me along with talking to a counselor, looking at medication, doing all the things, but something that really made a difference for me was this realization that the Holy Spirit wanted to be connected in the everyday moment of my life. That when I woke up in the morning exhausted and didn't know how to do the next thing, he wanted me to say, help me. When I, when I didn't know how to meet Romy's needs and Louie's needs, he wanted me to say, Lord, Lord, show me. When, when I just felt so overwhelmed, I just didn't feel like myself, he wanted me to go to him and open up and say, I don't know how to do this. You gave me too much. You asked too much of me. Lord, how am I supposed to do this? He wanted me to be connected with him. The Holy Spirit became this avenue where the Lord was my friend. He wanted to be present in my life. And you know what that made me feel like? I don't have to do this alone. I am not on my own. I am not the only one in charge. And as a mom, don't you just want someone else to be in charge one time? Just one time. Somebody else do it. Somebody else make the decision. Somebody else make the plan. Somebody else go do it. Somebody else be in charge. And the Lord said, I am in charge of you, Bria. I am in charge of this season. I'm in charge of you as a mom and as a pastor and all the things. And I will make this work for you. And it may not go away instantaneously, but I am what? I am with you. And you are not alone. I am with you. And it is the Lord in the details of whatever it is, that thing that feels so big that you can't solve, the thing that feels like you can't find your way out, the thing that's like squashed you to the ground like a cartoon pancake, right? Like it's the Lord saying, you are not alone. You are not in charge. You don't have to find your way out. You don't have to do it by yourself. You don't have to break your own chains or escape your own prison. I am with you and I am sending all the angels out on your accord. And I have given you the Holy Spirit so that you may be reminded of my words, of my truth, of my promise, of my very essence of witness for you. Do you know that to be true, church? Do you know that to be true for you this morning? There will be a day because of Jesus that you will experience hope and healing and freedom. And until then, God is with you, and he is with you in the details, and he wants you to feel that in every moment of your life. How else was God with Peter? He was in the details um, through his power, but he was also with Peter through the church. 
And I love this about this story. When Peter was in jail, what was the church doing? They were gathering at home and they were praying and they were interceding and they were fasting and they were experiencing community together. They were praying strenuously and the house was packed with praying friends. If we want to experience the witness of God, we also experience through the belonging to the church community, to the belonging of a community that is walking with God, to the belonging of a community that is in the details of our own lives with us. That is also how we experience this witness of God. And that is how God showed up for Peter. We talk a lot at Forest City Elgin about hospitality, about radical hospitality, about caring for each other, about opening up our relationships, opening up our homes, opening up our hearts to invite other people in, people who aren't like us, specifically people who are different from us, people who maybe wouldn't step foot in a church or in our home. And we talk so much about setting the table, making places that are full of acceptance and beauty and space for people to be themselves and their authentic authentic selves. And that is really what I pray and hope this church is to be, because I want people to experience the witness of Jesus through the church. I want the church to be a safe and authentic place for people to be safe and authentically themselves and to experience more of God through the belonging of community. Because when the church shows up, when the church opens its doors, when the church opens its home, when we care for people, when we walk alongside people in every element and situation of their life, we are extending um, a setup that God created just for it to be that way. And there is power in that. For many, many years, I worked in the social work field. I worked with families and children who had experienced abuse. And I worked with families who were in probably the most important, the biggest crisis of their whole entire life. And I saw that mom or that dad or that grandparent try to figure out what they were going to do in a situation where the home was unsafe. I saw the consideration of like, I don't have anybody. What am I going to do? Who's going to help me? And do you know that the church is really the only entity that has the power of care? The church is really the, no government, no really, I mean, some nonprofits can try, but not even nonprofits, no governments, no business, no market. The church is the only place who can come up to somebody and say, hey, I can drop you off dinner. Hey, I can take your kid to the park when you need a break. Hey, I can show up on Mondays when you need to take your other kid to preschool and sit home with your baby. Hey, I can pick up your kid from school. Hey, I can show up and take you out for coffee because you haven't talked to anybody in a week. Hey, I can do this or that. I can bring you flowers. I can bring you meals. I can clean your house. The church is the only entity where it's set up to come alongside people and to care for them in the very details of their life. And that is what care and hospitality and being the church is about, that when one of us is struggling, when one of us is in chains, when one of us is experiencing life in jail, there's a community of us gathered around praying strenuously in the home for that person, for God to move in their life. And I pray that is who Forest City is and who we continue to become because the church needs to be safe. It needs to be connected to people's lives. It needs to be in the reality of what people are experiencing in our doors and in our city and in the world. And we need to mobilize ourselves towards those needs because people are waiting to experience a life with God. And when the church is with people, they pave the way for people to experience life with God, to experience the very witness of him. 
We are with because God is with us. All right, so here's what we know. We know that walking it out means experiencing the withness of God, that God is with us. We look at the story of Acts 12. We see that God was with Peter by being in the details through his power, the power of his Holy Spirit, and through the belonging of the church. Are we tracking? We feeling good about that? We're good? All right. So now here's the thing, though, because there's something else about this story that I love. It's the humanity of this story, because how do we miss that God is in the details of our life? How do we miss that he wants the power of his Holy Spirit to be in our details? How do we miss the belonging of the church? How do we miss it? Because let's just remember that when we read this story, the witness of God, the power of God came as a surprise to Peter, and to the church. I loved it in the message translation. I'm just going to read it to you. First, Peter was surprised. He thought he was having a dream. In verse 10 and 11, it says, that's when Peter realized it was no dream. He said, I can't believe this. I cannot believe this happened. The master sent his angel and rescued me. Peter thought he was having a dream. And then it goes on. Uh, when the church was praying for him in verse 12, it still says, still shaking his head amazed, he went to Mary's house. The house was packed with praying friends, the church being the church. And when he knocked on the door, a young woman, Rhoda, came to see who it was. And she recognized his voice. It was Peter's voice. So she's so excited and eager to tell everyone that Peter was there, she forgot to open the door and she just left him standing there. So he's like, they're, they're all in the house praying for him. They are literally praying for the thing that God is executing out on the other side. And then Peter comes, the answer to their prayers is standing right there. And she's so excited, so surprised, she just leaves him out there in the street. And then she goes and tells everybody who's praying, like it's Peter. And they said, girl, you're crazy. That's not Peter. That's his angel. Go, go back outside. Like they, the, the answer to their prayers is at the front door, the very thing they're praying for. And they are surprised and they miss it and they don't believe it. And they think it's crazy. Y'all, I don't think this is this, these details in this story are by accident. I think this points to how often we miss that God is in the details, that he is working in our lives, that he is going ahead of us and before us, but we, we miss it. The answer to our prayers is standing at our front door, and we brush it off, or we explain it away, or we add something else to the story that makes it seem not as big of a deal. Why is it so hard to recognize God when he's in the details? Why is it so hard? You know, I think circumstances have a way of clouding our view. I think the reality of pain and suffering becomes the bigger story, um, becomes the bigger thing. You know, I've been uh, working with my daughter, Romy, who's four, on just trying to um, understand more of who Jesus is for her own life and her own walk. And, you know, I was trained to talk to kids um, as part of my job and like testify in court about their answers. And I was really good at it. And I cannot figure out how to talk to my four-year-old daughter, like to Romy, and just how to help her get it. And so she's been struggling at preschool. She's been struggling with like um, waiting her turn or just having some big feelings. And so we've been working through those things. And I just want her to know that like, Romy, when you're at preschool, like Jesus is with you. And when you feel like your feelings are so big, you don't know what to do with them. Like he's there to take your feelings and he has space for them. And when you're having a hard time waiting your turn and you're really mad and frustrated, you can go to Jesus. And I like, how do I make that make sense for her, right? Like how do I connect this bigness of God and who Jesus is to her? experience. So 
uh, she's obsessed with the angry Care Bear. Not the rainbow Care Bear or the sunshine Care Bear, but the like grumpy old man blue angry Care Bear. No lie, that's what she wanted to be for Halloween. She's identifying with the grumpy Care Bear in this season of her big sister life, I think. We're gonna let her do it. So she loves the angry Care Bear. And so on the way to school one day, I was driving her to preschool and I was just trying to talk through like, you know, a plan for when she has a hard time or when she has some big feelings or, and trying to help her understand that Jesus is with her. And I can tell she's just not getting it and it's just not really doing anything. And I'm just kind of feeling at a loss. And we get to the school and we park in the parking spot and I, I get out because I'm going to open her door and let her out of her car seat. And there on the car next to us is a bumper sticker of the blue angry Care Bear out of nowhere. And I opened the door and I said, Romy, it is the angry Care Bear. And her face just lit up. And I said, this is the Lord. This is Jesus letting you know that he sees you, Romy. He sent you an angry Care Bear. There are no other bumper stickers, just, and I literally believe that was the Lord. Like, that angry Care Bear right in her window, and I said, it is Jesus. He sees you. He is with you, and you go into school, and you remember the angry Care Bear, and he is with you, and her little face lit up, and she got it, and it, there was a pep in her step. She felt seen. She felt known. She felt like God was there because of that angry Care Bear, and I took a picture because I thought, this is the Lord. And, I'll, and it will preach. It'll preach. It'll preach. And I just want you to think about what is your angry Care Bear? I mean, I can't believe those are my words right now. But, but seriously, where is your angry Care Bear? Where is it that place in your life where God is showing up for you and he is letting you know that he sees you? He sees you specifically. Not just you in a crowd. He knows you and he sees you. He speaks your language. He knows your name. He knows the very thing that you need to know and hear and see. And he will do anything he needs to do to get to you. God is with you in the details. And there is no circumstance, there is no situation that he is separated from, that he is too high from. He wants to come down and be with you. And I think the most important thing he wants you to know is that you are not alone. You are not alone. And as I think of this community, I think of people who are carrying the weight and the burden of doing things alone. I think of people trying to find your own way in a season of waiting or singleness, trying to fight cancer or disease or illness alone, trying to pay your bills or getting on top of your finances alone, trying to solve that massive problem at work and provide for your family in a way that your parents weren't able to alone, trying to parent alone, trying to care for your aging parents alone, trying to accomplish your dreams alone, trying to navigate your own experience alone, trying to find acceptance alone, trying to carry the weight and the suffering, particularly in the world right now, alone. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 talks about there being a fog and us trying to peer through the mist and the Lord bringing clarity in our situation through knowing him. And what I know for City Church is that you cannot follow Jesus alone. 
There is an innate sense of witness in everything about Jesus and who he is. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the way he lived his life, the way he healed and freed people, asking them for vulnerability and belonging before, before their healing. His very message was that you are seen, you are not alone. And maybe that is the most basic statement of our faith, but God is with you. And you are not alone in this world. And whatever word he has sent out over you will not return void. And if you need someone else to be in charge, he is in charge. He wants to do it with you. You are not responsible. There's nothing more you need to do. There's nothing more you could or should do. It's already done. And you are not alone. You see, walking it out is realizing that God is with you. By seeing him in the details of your life, And when you can't find him, you go to him through the Holy Spirit and through his church, and you will find him there. And so what does that mean for us this morning? What does it mean for us to find God where we are? Maybe he's hard to find. Maybe he's easy to find. What does that mean for us? I think first to ask I think we think praying or inviting in the Holy Spirit needs to be some big, long, drowned, drawn-out intercessory prayer. And I think some of those everyday moments of, I need you, help. Can you come and find me right where I am? Just remind me, God, that I'm not alone. Show me that you're here. Those asking moments throughout our day, like literally stop what you're doing, stop the email, stop the scrolling, stop the, the conversation, just stop and recenter and ask for the Holy Spirit. Ask for God to come in. I think we all need to practice more asking in our lives to experience the witness of God and then just do the next right thing and the next right thing and the next right thing. I think number two, connect. Connect to the church. Experience that belonging of the church you can experience the belonging and the witness of being each other, with each other so that you can experience the witness of what God wants to be with you. Check out our Connect Point. Volunteer. Attend a haven. Um, go out for coffee or out for lunch with somebody. Take a risk and invite someone in or accept an invitation. But connect to the church. The church has not always done a good job. We have a lot to learn, but I really believe that if we follow Jesus and become humble to him and what he wants to do, the church can be a powerful force of belonging, a place of beauty, a place of restoration. So if that's you and you're looking for God and you're trying to find him, connect to your church. And we would love if you connected with us. And then be. Be the witness of God. Embody the witness of God. Come alongside somebody. People, we got to open up our hearts. We got to open up our homes. We have to open up our lives to the people around us. And there are people there. Look around your neighborhood. Look around your workplace. Look at the grocery store. Look where you run your errands. Look for people who are hurting. Look for people who are in need of encouragement. And then Talk to them. Invite them in. Open up your home. Pray about it. Pray who the Lord will put on your heart. I really believe that so much of the power of experiencing the witness of God, of walking with him, is through relationship with people who know Jesus. It's not just through a one-time Sunday experience. It's not just through a production or performance. It is through relationship, life on life, walking together, being authentic, sharing an openness. Be the witness that God has been to you. Be that for someone else. Ask, connect, and be. 
as we walk it out together and experience the witness of God. I love this church. I love the the beauty and love and acceptance and grace that this church is built on. I love the stories I hear of how we're doing it, how we're showing up for each other and loving on each other. And I want to encourage us and continue to build on that because I think there's so special about a place that doesn't just do it, but is it, and chooses to embody the message that they celebrate, the message that they recognize every Sunday, that they live out those things during the week. And I pray that's who we are and who we continue to become as we walk it out and experience life together. You in it with me, guys? We do this together? Yeah. All right. Well, we are, we're going to head into some space for communion. We celebrate communion as a church each month as a way to remember Jesus, to remember who he is and what he has done for us. And I think there's no better way to um, respond to the witness of God than to experience communion together. Um, I can hear that the, the communion elements are already being passed, which is amazing. That's great. Pass those around. Go ahead and grab, um, grab one of the elements out of, of the bucket. Make sure everybody gets one. Luis, can I have one too when you're done? Oh, thanks, Leonard. All right, perfect. So when we think about the idea of communion, we remember the witness of God, the width of Jesus, that Jesus wanted so badly to be with us that he came down to earth to experience life to do life with us, to experience humanity, to experience pain and suffering. He came to experience every part of that and his life and his death gave us the gift of never being alone. His life and his death gave us the ability to lean on the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit and to never be alone. As we reflect on communion this morning, let's reflect on the gift of Jesus that because of him, because of his life, because of his death, we can always experience the witness of God. We are never too separate, never too dark, never too messed up, never too broken. We can always have access to the power of God because of Jesus. There's a beautiful breath prayer that I read in a book I've been going through called Every Season Sacred by Kayla Craig. And I want to put it up on the screen and just take a moment before we take the elements just to have a minute with yourself. And just to look at those words and inhale in the breath, God, I am not alone. And exhale, you have been here all along. I am not alone. You have been here all along. I am not alone. You have been here all along. I don't need to ask you to come. I don't need to do something to make you appear. You've been here all along. And just take a moment and breathe in that truth for yourself over your heart. Whatever your sense of loneliness or your scale of loneliness looks like this morning, you are not alone. Oh God, you've been here all along. And let that be the posture of our heart 
as we experience communion together this morning. You can open the top part of your elements, take out the, the bread. On his last night with the disciples, Jesus took the bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body broken for you. Every time you eat, think of me. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you every time you drink it. Remember me. May it be so. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for how you set up this relationship to be. Thank you for giving us your son, Jesus, that we may always experience the witness of you. I pray for each and every individual in this room. I pray that your words would be like a healing, a balm to their soul. I pray that in any area they need to experience your witness, that you would remove the blinders in Jesus' name, that you would open up hearts in Jesus' name, and that you would place the truth and the goodness and the faithfulness of your words and your promise over your people, that you would remind every person that the word that you have sent out over them will not return void, that the story is not over, that it is never too late, it is never the end, that you are the beginning and the end, you are the Alpha and Omega. You have gone ahead and before, and you have the last word. Jesus, we pray that your promise, your expectance, the, the glory of what you are about to accomplish in and through us would be the thing that we see. And that as we take the things and the circumstances and the pain that keeps us from knowing you, that keeps us from seeing you, that makes us be surprised when you are working in our lives, God, that you would remove those things, that you'd remove the enemy in our lives, and that you would build up your truth in us instead. I pray that specifically this week, we would experience your witness, witness in us, and that we would respond to your invitation to embody the with for someone else. I pray that you would make us brave and good and true and that we would walk into what you have asked us to be as a church, that we would be safe and accepting and loving and that we would help more people know who you are because of who we are and how we are walking it out and doing life together. Make our homes places of safety and beauty, make this buildy, building places of goodness and expectance, and may your word and your love reign. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen.